Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you so much. We thank you that the King is coming. And he's coming to redeem us, to redeem this world. Lord, we pray this morning that we would be prepared for your coming. And Lord, in doing that, we know that we need to be living a life that imitates and honors you. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would open our minds and hearts to know and understand what that means. Help us, Lord, to understand what it looks like to run the race that you've called us to run. So that when we are welcomed in, you will be able to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Lord, we thank you again. And we pray all of this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning. Take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on. And I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We're continuing in our series in Philippians and we're at the end of chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible with you or an app on your device, um, we have Bibles in the pews. Feel free to to grab one of those out of the back of the pew. If you happen to grab one of those, if you grab the leather one, I'll give you a little cheat. You can turn to 668. That'll take you uh, to the beginning of the book of Philippians. If you grab a paperback one, you can turn to page 550. A little cheat to get you to uh, the book of Philippians a little easier this morning. So Philippians chapter 3 is where we're going to be this morning. Now as you're turning there, let me tell you, there is a difference that is dividing us. And we need to consider this. I think it's high time that the church addresses this difference. Because the division cannot continue going. The division is hurting people, it's hurting marriages, it's hurting the church, I think. Um, And I think this is something that should have been addressed a long time ago. I think it's personally more divisive than politics. I think it's more divisive than religion. I think it's more divisive uh, than many of the issues that we struggle with. And that division is this. Some people like to run and some people don't like to run. Some people will tell you, I love to run. I think that's a lie. (laughs) And I think there's a biblical premise for this. If you go and look in the book of Proverbs, chapter 28, verse 1, it says this, the wicked run when no one is chasing them. (laughs) This division must stop. Now, the reason that I'm bringing this up this morning is my wife is a runner and I am not. My wife loves to run. As a matter of fact, I'll brag on her a moment. My wife ran eight miles yesterday. Isn't that amazing? She's got a race coming up this next weekend where she has, she's part of a team of 12 people and they run all the way from Wickenburg to Mesa over two days, never stopping. This is wickedness in its full form. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is, is we can laugh it up, but this is actually something that my wife and I talk about a lot because my wife has always been a runner. She was a cross-country runner in high school and played soccer, so all she did was run. I did not run. I don't like to run. I have short, stubby legs. I'm not fast. I'm not quick. 
Uh, I just don't enjoy it. And one year when we still lived in Fort Worth, Texas, my wife talked me into running in the Cowtown 5K. It's, a, it's one of the larger uh, organized runs that, that's organized in the United States. Thousands of people show up uh, for this run every year, and it's in the wintertime. And so she talked me into it, and I said, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it. And we actually kind of got some of our youth kids and our church members to get involved and it was really neat because we saw some people who had never worked out begin to take care of themselves and they they got on a a regiment where they were working out and they were running to prepare themselves uh, for this 5k so we got up that morning for the Cowtown 5k and I'm take my shower and I get ready and I put on my running gear and I told Jana I'm going to go outside and start the car and get everything ready to go because we need to get over to the downtown area and I walk outside and I kid you not it was 22 degrees with 40 mile per hour gusts outside it was full-on miserable and so I bundled up a little extra. We get to, the, to where the race is. We check in. We get in line. And of course, there's thousands of people. So we're packed in like cattle, ready for the slaughter. And we're preparing to run. And so they, 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 they blow the whistle and everybody starts running. And, and I remember we were running through downtown Fort Worth. So big buildings everywhere. And I distinctly remember turning the corner off of one building and being hit by a gust of wind that stopped me right there. And I finished the race, and my wife runs up, and she's all happy because she had gotten to run. She, How'd you enjoy it? And I said, I will never do that again. <laughs> and I am true to my word. I have not run a 5K since then, not an organized one. But we can laugh and joke about that, and it's fun to think through because seriously, there are people that they go for a run, and they feel better after they've done that run than when they began. My wife is one of those. I am not. Uh, It's a miserable experience for me, to be totally honest. But why do I bring this up? Today, Paul uses a racing, a running illustration with us. So I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 3, and let's see what Paul has to say about running the race this morning. Philippians chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse 12. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, he says, Not that I have already obtained this. Now, um, don't, uh, you have to think back to what Paul was talking about in, in what we read last week. He's talking about the finishing of a race, the, the re- resurrection of the dead. So, completion of all the work of Jesus at the end of time. That's what Paul's talking about. So, back to 12. Not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that of which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus." All of us then who are mature should take such a view of these of things. And if on some point you think dif- differently that to God will make clear to you. 
Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies to the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Paul gives us an illustration, an analogy of what we're doing on this earth spiritually. We're running a spiritual race. We're running towards a goal. We're, we're not setting our minds on the things that are behind us, but we're straining forward to the things that are ahead. And so here's the big idea for this morning. Here's that one statement, that one big idea that I want you to go home with and try and remember and think on and pray on this week. And it's this. In this race, the only thing that matters is what you're doing right now to get to the end. In this race, the only thing that matters is what you're doing right now in this moment to get to the end. That's what Paul is encouraging us to do in Philippians chapter 3. So let's, let's take a look at that idea. Let's take a, a moment and look at what Paul has to say about this race. You see, the race that Jesus has us run is all about now. It's all about what we're doing in this moment to live for Christ. And so that's the point that he's trying to have us on, is we're supposed to live now with our eyes on the goal, with where we're going, with the points that we're trying to attain. So Paul uses a running illustration. I want you to look back down with me. Look at verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, listen to this point right here, what he says. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We are called to forget what's behind. When I ran that cow town... I didn't care about what was behind me. I just wanted to get to the end. If I had stumbled half a mile back, that didn't matter. Because all I wanted to do was forget about everything that had happened in the past and move forward to the end goal. I was miserable in that moment. It was not a pleasurable experience for me. Now, some people really enjoyed it, but I did not. The fact of the matter is, is some of us in this room are having a difficult life. Some of us in this room have made mistakes. Some of us, if we were to go back and look at the life we've lived, some of us might go, you know what, I live with regret of the decisions I've made. 
But Christ tells us don't. Christ doesn't say to linger on the past. Instead of that, Jesus, through Paul, says here that we're to forget about the past and move forward toward the goal. In the race, we forget about that. We forget the mistakes. We forget the stumbles. And in our life following Jesus, we forget about that past. That past is not something that God holds against us. And I I think there are people here this morning that need to hear that. Your past does not matter to God. God is not judging you for how good or bad you were yesterday or before yesterday. God cares about what you're doing today. Don't let your past regrets hold you back from the amazing things that God has for you today and tomorrow. Your past is behind you. Let me give you a little secret about God. God is more concerned with your response to your sin than he is about the sin itself. God knows every single one of us is going to sin, doesn't he? Because we are imperfect. We, are, we all fall short. As a matter of fact, he predicts it in Romans 3, Romans 6, and many other places in his, in his word. But the fact of the matter is, is he doesn't say, oh, All of those past mistakes are going to be looked at and analyzed by me. He doesn't say that. He says to us that our redemption from our past is what's promised. That our past means something and it it, it may have an element of ministry to us. We may be able to touch somebody's life because of the past that we've lived. But we're not judged for that past. We're not held back spiritually because of that past. God is much more concerned with how you're responding today to the mistakes and the sins and the stumbles than he is about those mistakes and stumbles. He knows we're going to do it, but he wants to know how we're going to respond to it. So don't look back is the point. Don't let your past hold you back from what God may have for you today. We should never say to ourselves, you know what, I can't do this for God because of something that happened back when. That's something we can never, ever tell ourselves. Because God doesn't care about holding us back. He cares about redeeming that back when. Many of us in this room have had a a rough road. And God has used that rough road to prepare us for ministry Maybe God's going to drop someone in your life that needs exactly what you've been through and can see that God has redeemed you out of that. We don't know. But the fact is, is that we don't look back. But I think there's a flip to this coin. We also don't look back at the achievements. Because I think we all too many times go, well, you know... Five years ago, we were this, or I was that. And God doesn't want us to linger in our achievements and our successes either. God wants us to live now and see what God wants for us now. When we linger on the good old days too much, we dishonor what God is trying to do in today. There are great things that God wants to do in your life 
today and tomorrow and the next day, but if your mind is focused too much on yesterday and the day before, God's not going to have the opportunity. You're not opening up the door to follow Him where He has for you. And so let go of the past, good or bad, mistakes, sin, success, failure, whatever it may be, let go of the past and look at what God is doing in this moment. That's Paul's encouragement to us this morning. Look what else he says there. He says that he's straining forward to what's ahead. What's ahead is the goal. It's that heavenly resurrection that Paul mentioned in verse 11 that we talked about last weekend. We press onward. We press on to that goal. When I was running in downtown Fort Worth, I just wanted to finish. I wanted to finish well, but I just wanted to finish. And the fact is, is that I wanted to see the goal and cross the goal and get bundled up and back in a heated building. (laughs) And some of you are living the high life right now, but every single one of us will come to a point where we have that attitude about life. All I want to do is finish and get into comfort with God. But the fact of the matter is, is if I was running that race and all I wanted to do was get across the finish line and get in a heated building, and I said, you know what? The best way to do that is to stop where I'm at and not go any further. Would I have ever crossed the finish line? No. But guys, let's be honest for a moment. Too often when we have difficulty in our life, life gets uncomfortable or life just gets full-on painful, All too many times we're tempted to just stop where we're at. And we finish the race in a way that doesn't honor God. We're all going to hit hard times, aren't we? Some of us in this room are in hard times now. My encouragement is this. Listen to what Paul has to say. There's a goal. There's an end. And there's redemption at the goal. So live for Him, no matter how good or bad things may be. Strive on towards that goal. Live your life for Him. You see, I think all too many times we run the race, and we're running the race for the wrong reasons. And we're running the race without the goal in mind. And we need to always keep in mind the reason for the race and where the goal is at. So, so let's talk about the goal. Verses 15 through 19. Look with me uh, just a moment at these. 15 through 19 says, All of us then who are mature should take on such view of these things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things." Paul answers how we're to run this race in this passage. You see, in verse 15, he first tells us to be mature. 
Be a mature Christian. Follow Christ. What does it mean to be mature? It means to take the childish things and put those behind us. And childish things can be many, take many forms. But the fact of the matter for us is that we're to look at what we're doing and what is important to us and reevaluate if that's important to God. Maturity is defined by our desire and our hunger to follow God. And so are we focused on the right things? Well, let me ask you this. Where do you spend most of your time? What do you spend most of your time reading or looking at or talking about? What do you spend most of your time investing in? Let me shift that over. Where are you spending your money? I've heard it said many, many times, and I think there's a lot of truth in this. You can tell a lot by a person by looking at what their spending habits are. Your money and where you spend it will tell me and tell all of us a lot about where your heart is. Because we speak with our spending. So where is your time and where is your spending? Where are you investing in? A mature follower of Christ would be finding ways to invest time and resources into that which is important to God. And so do you spend your time and your resources investing in the things that God values or that you personally value? There's nothing wrong about with being comfortable and, and, and having good things. But if your good things are more valuable than the things of God, that's when we've crossed into an unhealthy area of our lives. And so, be mature. Understand what really matters. Don't be distracted by those things that will pull us away from the race that we're running. The next thing that he says in verse 17 is that we're to imitate him. We're to imitate Paul and others who are living a godly life. Now, when I was running that race, I didn't actually have the course memorized. I just wanted to get done. I didn't spend a lot of time, you know, studying the race and studying the streets that I was going to run on. I just wanted to get finished. So what did I do? I followed the crowd. I followed the guys that knew where they were going. If I saw a guy that was really knew how to run and you could see he was decked out and ready to go, I trusted where he was going because clearly he cared more than I did about that race. And Paul says, follow him, follow other godly men and women in their race. Imitate them. Imitate the example that Jesus Christ left for us. And then he also warns not to follow the deceivers or pretenders. And he basically calls it out. Don't follow them because their way, their direction, the race that they're running is going to lead to destruction. And so guys, just a word of caution. We mentioned it last week as well. Pay attention to who you're listening to. Pay attention to the beliefs that you have and the beliefs of the people that you're listening to. You know, Paul lifts up a group called the Bereans in the book of Acts. And he lifts them up and he, he kind of brags on them because he himself said that they would listen to him preaching. Paul. They would listen to Paul preach and then they would go home and examine what he had to say. They would weigh it against Scripture to make sure that what he said was actually biblical. Pay attention to who you're listening to. Be cautious not to listen to the deceivers 
that may pull you away from the race course that you're supposed to be on. Now, Paul says something very interesting in verse 18 that I want to just chase a rabbit real quick on. Verse 18, he says, For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies to the cross of Christ. Let me just say this. All too many times we look at wickedness in this world and we see the demise of someone we consider to be wicked and we celebrate their demise, that's not the biblical way. We should never, ever celebrate the falling or the death of someone who did not know Christ. That should make us weep inside. When we see a prominent celebrity who has been fighting against the church or a politician who has been fighting against godly ways in our country and we see them fall or we hear about their death, we should never celebrate that because that's another person that is loved by God that didn't experience his life-changing hope. That should make us mourn. Just like Paul in verse 18, that should cause us to have tears and should inspire us to be all the more active in telling others about the life-changing hope that only can be found in Jesus. So the fact of the matter is, is we run a race. We run a race that's important. But look at how he concludes this passage. Look at verse 20 with me. Verse 20, he says this, But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Our race is run differently than the race of those who don't know Jesus. Because our citizenship is in heaven. Our end result is this lowly, beaten up, broken down, decaying body is going to be redeemed and transformed into a glorious body like Jesus Christ. And that should make us celebrate. As a matter of fact, it should make us celebrate so much that our spiritual race looks differently than every other race that's being run around us. So much so that people should look at the way we run and go... What is it about you? Why is it that despite your difficulties, you celebrate? Where does that joy come from? It comes from the promise of knowing that our inheritance is in heaven and that our reward is a glorified body. Our race should be noticed. Our life should be so different that people take note of the way we live and the way we don't live. So here's the question. How are you running? How are you running the race? What are you doing in this moment and this afternoon and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and next week and next month and next year? What are we doing as followers of Christ to run the race the way God wants us to run it. I'll make a confession to you. I hate to run. And I ran that Cowtown 5K out of compulsion. But when I crossed the line, it felt good. 
it felt really good. What are you doing to run the race that Christ has for you? Join me in prayer. Almighty God, thank you. Thank you so much for who you are and for what you've done. God, we thank you that you sent your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect, sinless life so that we could be forgiven of our sins. Because it was only that perfect and sinless life that could warrant, that could deserve to die on a cross for all of us. And we thank you that you allowed that to happen, that that was part of your plan to redeem this world, to redeem each and every one of us. And that on the third day, you rose Jesus from the grave. That he rose from the grave in victory over sin and death. And he ascended into heaven and he sits at the right hand of your your throne, Lord. We thank you for Jesus. And God, we pray that we would live our lives, that we would run this race in a way that honors and glorifies you and leads others to the life-changing hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. We're going to have a time of response now. And maybe you need to spend some time in prayer. Uh, If you would like to do that, we have our altar right here. It's open. Come and kneel and pray and, and spend that time with the Lord. Uh, Maybe this morning you need to talk with someone. Myself, uh, Pastor Chad, and Pastor Josh will be right here at this front pew. If you'd like to talk with someone this morning, come talk to one of us. Maybe you want to know what a life-changing relationship with Jesus looks like. Maybe you want to begin that relationship today, or maybe you've got questions about it. Josh and I would love the opportunity to talk to you if you want to know about more about following Jesus. So let's stand and respond to the Lord in worship.